This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put, oh, he's going hard. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here with Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, man? What's up? Nothing yeah. much. Yeah, still, we're in studio. Uh, Mallory's doing, what's she, softball? Softball, yeah. state yeah. championships. Yeah, so she's not here right now, so uh, we had uh, our other producer, uh, Ashley Pickle, set up the recording stuff for us, so we're going to try not to have this sound too bad, because we don't have somebody consistently watching over us like, we, like Mallory expertly does, uh, but... We're going to go ahead and start our preview series, man. Magazine's all done. Uh, you're going to be out next week. Yep. And so we did the math, and it was like, all right, we probably need to start our previews now for yeah. each team. It's wild. We're only 13 weekends away from that UTEP-North Texas game. <sighs> and so nuts. with me being gone for a week, yeah. it, when I come back, there's only 11 weeks left we until gotta, the season. That's wild. We just hit the ground running with the preview, more previews. So, yeah, we'll be reviewing every team. Uh, pre- or previewing every team, I should say, uh, as far as like what we saw from spring, what we expect, kind of their storylines hanging into this year, expectations, things like that. Um, we don't want to give records because that's kind of coming in the magazine, so we'll wait to see about that. But we'll more or less give you a good breakdown of everything but like an actual record prediction. So uh, Also because I don't want to have Mike remember all of his things that he put in the magazine off the top off the top of his head. And so if he says something different on here and you read something different in the magazine, you're like, what the hell, Mike? Right. What's going right. on? So that was, That's honestly, I think we talked about this last week. That was the hardest part for me sure. because it changed. Like if you ask me next week, it's sure. probably It'll a different change. answer. And yeah. so it's like, well, man, like, I got to evergreen you, this. And it's like, I got to say this team is eight and four. And it's right, like, right. man, I don't know. Exactly. Well, because like you, there, it comes to the point where like you look at a 50-50 game and you're like, eh, they might win that one. Uh, they might lose that. So like, and then the next day you're like, ah, oh, they probably win right. that. You know, like right. it, you just flip. And you go through it and you're like, oh no, I have them at four and eight. Right, right, right. You know, right, or right. nine and three. And it's right. like, well, that can't be right. And then you got to go back and you're like, okay, well, I gave them this 50-50 game, so I can't give them that 50-50 right. game. And yeah, it's it's weird. And then with all the states playing, with all the teams in the state playing each other, mm-hmm. it's like who did who did I have winning between TCU and Texas Tech? Like right. I need to go make sure that you know you don't bounce that around. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah, we'll be start. We'll do our preview series starting with Texas State today, uh, as you probably uh, saw from the podcast title. We'll be talking to Kef Chardello of the Austin American Statesman, uh, former colleague of Mike Craven, uh, good friend of the industry and uh, good friend in the industry of mine. Uh, known Kef since golly back when I was still in school and uh, working for the Daily Record. So he's been more or less the most consistent authority on Texas State uh, uh, media, or sports, I should say, for probably going on 10-plus years now. Like, it's yeah. wild for me. He was running the Texas State Rival site when I was running the Texas State UTSA site. Yep. So, uh, yeah, way way back in the day. And then we're both at the Statesman together. So, yeah, kind of similar, similar paths there. Yep. So the way we're going to structure these is we're going in – more or less reverse order of uh, the power pole. More or less, you know, I'm not going to say like we're we're going to stick to that exclusively. Um, we'll kind of prop, we'll switch some here and there, but more or less, we'll start with some of the teams that struggled last year and then build our way up to the guys that we'll expect or that ended last year well or we expect to do well. So, uh, for all you big school uh, power five heads out there, we'll be you know you'll. Hopefully you'll stick with us through all these, but you know we hope that you will also join us for when we get to your guy, you guys in July. Anyway, there's not really a big structure. It's like, all right, we're going to break down the offense and break down. All these teams have so many questions, and we don't want to hold them all to kind of the same structure, same rubric. So we just kind of have some thought. Before we get into the interview, we have just some general things. Uh, Let's look back on 2021 really quick for Texas State football. So they go. I already forgot the record. Was it four and eight? Four and eight. <laughs> four and eight. Uh, their most wins since 2015? 14, I think. 14. I think, something like that. I think it was a seven and five year uh, that they missed the bowl game. So, on paper, their most successful year in a while, right? When you look at the, the games and the schedule, you're like, all right, well, you got blanked by Louisiana, a team that you probably should be considering a rival. 
um, the one team that finished above you in the West because, you know, the Sunbelt West is garbage. <laughs> um, you lose, of course, to Incarnate Ward at home. And you still struggle at quarterback. You headed into the year probably for the first time, in my opinion, you headed into the year since about that 2015 season with a stable quarterback, right? right. You, it's been since it's been that long. Tyler Jones is probably the last stable quarterback they had. So you head into last year thinking Brady McBride was the guy. More or less midway through the year, it turns out he's not the guy, or at least he's not playing like you would expect him to play. So they make a change. They kind of, I know, I know some of it's injury, some of it's you know obviously his play. Bring in Tyler Vitt, veteran backup, things like that. Close out the year as best as you can, and you you you're able to say that you had a market improvement on the year. Um, I should also mention that new athletic director Don Coriel released a weird statement after the Louisiana win. That was kind of like a, uh huh. Like yeah. <laughs> you don't. This see, is where we're at. This is where we're at. You don't see this off. You don't see this too often. By the way, it was forty-five nothing. I wanted to get that score up. Uh, I wanted to find that score exactly. So you lose forty-five nothing to Louisiana, and you kind of end kind of limping to the finish line, but still more or less getting there. You have you beat. ULM, who at the time was pretty solid. They were looking like they were flirting with the bowl game. You beat ULM, you lose to Georgia Southern, and then you lose, of course, to Coastal, and then you beat Arkansas State, who was equally as struggling as probably worse than you. So now, <clears throat> Craven, what's, what's, what was your thoughts, your summary thoughts of 2021 for Texas State? Yeah, what's weird is like, going into the season, four and eight's about what I would have – predicted them to be I, sure. I you know i don't think it was so much disappointing or you can't call four and eight promising either right like six wins should be the basement there for for all programs inside the state you know sunbelt having a good location and stuff like that but um it's just quarterback you know when you hire an offensive coach right like mm -hmm. jake spavadal was an offensive coordinator he was you know best known for johnny Manziel times you know cliff kingsbury all that all that stuff when you bring in a coach like that, you need your offense to play better. Right. And they just haven't had a string of consistent play at quarterback. And until they do, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, maybe some guys that they've added to the roster over the last year or two help that position in 2022. But in 2021, it was too inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Whether it was injuries or you know whatever you want to assign it to, uh, it was too inconsistent at that position. And when you're not going to have that shut down really good defense – and then you also don't have consistency at quarterback. Like, what can you do well? Sure. And when I went, I was at that Incarnate Word game, mm -hmm. for example. And I, well, I think Kef and I talked about this in the podcast. Maybe we talked about it afterwards off off camera. Mm -hmm. But I remember being in that press box with them, with K Drew King, Ke and like being like, "Man, if you switch jerseys, you couldn't tell me who the FBS team is and who the FCS team is." Right. And so for me, that was kind of the biggest sign of like, man. Texas State isn't where they need to be. The best player on this field is obviously Cam Ward at Incarnate Word. Mm -hmm. And so until they get some stars, until they get some big-time playmakers at the key positions, I don't know how you expect them to go much more than 4-8 and eight because SPAV and that program are still committing those kind of early coaching mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, they do something, we'll talk about this a little bit later as well. They just don't run, you know, the 25 players missing for COVID during that incarnate word game. Yep. The offense starting differently than it plays in the second half, right? Being super aggressive early on and then just kind of, you know, toiling away towards the end. Just like little things there that's like, okay, this guy's still trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, Texas State in 2021 was a team without identity. And until they find one, I don't know what you can expect differently from this program. Yeah, I agree. And let's use that to kind of transition into what we what they've kind of done so far in the offseason. We'll end on this before we get to Kef's interview. So early thoughts on 2022. And I think that, you know, your points were very obvious, and I think it's very obvious that the, the, the staff saw that too, right? You see the inconsistency, inconsistency at quarterback – so you go get a starter, right? You go get somebody who's used to playing in the conference who is a capable starter in Lane Hatcher from Arkansas State. You, of course, lose Brady McBride after it became pretty apparent that he wasn't going to be the guy. Again, well, Kef hits on this too. We don't know if he's if Lane Hatcher is going to be the guy. We presume so, and I would probably still bet my money on that. But what, we do, what was apparent was Brady McBride was not going to be in that race. So you go get a quarterback that can push uh, Brady McBride and the, push the room. And that has obviously happened. 
you bring back your running backs, more or less, right? Brock Sturgis is gone, but he kind of faded out in the rotation last year. You bring in receiver help. Man, which, four. Four, four transfers. receivers. Uh, again, Kev hits, hints on that as well, so we'll talk about that afterward. Um, you more or less revamped the defense. Like, you had a defense that you mentioned wasn't shut down, and they weren't even uh, – you mentioned shut down because, you know, if the offense isn't uh, – if the offense isn't good – you have to have a great defense, right? Well, their their offense wasn't great, and their defense was terrible. <laughs> like some was, of the stats are crazy. It, rattle them off. Go ahead. They gave up thirty three points per game. Yep. Uh, they only had three interceptions all season. Right. That's wild, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that. That's absolutely wild. Forty six point three seven percent of third down conversions allowed. That's that's that is awful. Fifteen of twenty one on fourth down. <sighs> opponents were right. That's bad. Yeah. 30 touchdowns and 50 red zone trips, which isn't all that bad. Sure. But the fact that you allow the teams into your You're red zone 50 them. times is insane. Conversely, Texas State got into red zones 36 times, mm, right? So, right. like, it's just wild to me yeah. how inconsistent that defense was. A lot of that's in the secondary. Some of that's up front. You just can't get sacks. I think their leading sack guy was, like, three and a half sacks. Right. Um, and so – they just have to figure out playmakers. Like that that's the thing that's missing mm-hmm. at Texas State. 100%. Like who are their playmakers? They have some guys who are good, mm-hmm. but they need some guys who to take that next step from like good to like game breaking, game changing. Yes. Oh, we need to game plan for that guy. Yes. And until they find those on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and we'll talk about it again. They kind of had one in Zion Childress emerging mm-hmm. and then he lead and so until they get consistent, you know, this, you know, Jamel Jeter's is he a game breaker? Sure. Is he a really good? Is Calvin Hill a good running back, or is he a game breaker? Mm-hmm. Is Marcel Barbie a good wide receiver? Or is he a game breaker? Right. Maybe some of that's quarterback, and that opens that up a little bit. Um, but to me, that's when I look at this roster. That's the first thing that jumps out to me is like, who are those? Like, if I look at UTSA's roster, I know who those five dudes are. Mm-hmm. If I look at North Texas's roster, I think I know who those five dudes are. Yeah. When I look at Texas State's roster, I just don't know. I think I know who a couple of them could be. But until they do it on a consistent week-in, week-out basis, and maybe that's it. It's a lack of consistency right. from Texas State that's alarming and something that has to change. And, and Kef mentioned that, too. When you're, when you're getting so many guys from the transfer portal year in and year out, how do you build that consistent? Right. I don't know. I think that's a question that we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think offensively to me, this is the year where you more or less validate that strategy. Right, because often you, we mentioned the four wide receivers, but – for the most part, this offense is more or less intact, right? It just needs it needs that quarterback piece, which again we'll see what happens there. But defensively, that's where I'm going to be like really interested in because they, you know, get, again you mentioned they need playmakers. I think they they've definitely realized that because they moved some guys around. They moved Jordan Revels from defensive line to stand up edge rusher, right? They moved uh, uh, London Harris from outside to inside linebacker. They've moved some guys around like that. Um, I know in the secondary they're lacking a little bit of depth, which could be an issue. Um, but I do – there's like it, – it, Texas State is full of players who I'm like – I look at and I'm like, on paper you make sense as a guy who could make a difference, right? And it's just about getting those – like you mentioned, it's about – and I think this is the, the, the double-edged sword of the transfer portal. You look at somebody coming in, like again, last year to me the big guy was DeMarquis Hayes from Kansas – or uh, Kansas State. Comes in from Waco La Vega – you know, not a lot of D1 prospects come out of there. And so you get this edge rusher, fills a need, all that doesn't really hit right away, right? Does he hit this time? I don't know. Maybe he could. Um, but those are the gambles you take where it's like, okay, here's a guy with FBS experience, Power 5 experience even. Does he come in and fill a hole right away or not? Uh, Chris Mills is another guy from Missouri. Um, things like that, high-level prospects that you bring in. It's like on paper, you should be making a difference. So I'm curious to see if this is the year – that we start to see that with some of those guys. Um, and then in more in particular, how the defense, how long it takes the defense to kind of acclimate with these new players coming together. Just kind of a hot and cold team. Sure. hundred percent. You know, the, yeah. the, one week you watch them, you're like, man, Isaiah Nixon's a dude. Right. Right. Like right. That guy, you know, and the next week you're like, I don't know if I even noticed. Right. I was about to say, I don't, I, you it, know, it, you, did he play? You know? Right. <laughs> and that, and I, I feel like that's true for almost every single player on the roster. Sure. You know, maybe like well, a Dal- say, Dalton not, Cooper, Kyle, you know, Hegel excluded. To, exactly. It's like, it's like, there's not like a, it's not like picking on a player. It's opposed to like, it's the team. Right. The team, the team is up and down. So you notice performances. You're like, Hey, wait, last week that guy was great. Mm-hmm. And where's he at now? You know? Right. Um, so yeah, we'll, 
We'll talk more about that. We're going to go ahead and get into our interview with Kev Chardella of The Statesman, and we'll come back with some questions and topics to kind of wrap that up. So uh, without further ado, here is Kev Chardella with The Austin American Statesman. Well, Kev, appreciate you coming on here, talking about Texas State football. I, I guess first off, uh, from your eyes, you know, how, how was spring practice? How did this team look maybe compared to, to springs in the past? Yeah, I mean, comparatively to other springs, it seems like they know the scheme more. And I guess it's just guys have been here a little longer than, than in the last uh, recruiting cycles. They've just kind of been here the last three years. But there's a lot of questions, a lot more questions going into this spring than in the ones previous. Obviously, quarterback is the big one with Lane Hatcher and Ty Evans coming in. It's kind of a two-horse race with that one. Uh, but I came into spring with a lot of questions and I left it with more. Usually I leave spring practice and I've answered a bunch. This one I left, I'm like, what are they going to do at offensive line? What are they going to do at safety with Zion Childress leaving? Looks like Jerron Morris is banged up. They've got some other new guys. It seems are going to play at corner, uh, AJ Edwards. Um, and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but oh, Pierre Kamini, the Ohio transfer he's from Canada. Uh, but th there's just a lot more question marks than, than I had before. Obviously, they're deep at, like, receiver. Uh, they got a lot of D linemen thanks to the transfer portal. But um, a lot of, lot of question marks, not necessarily bad question marks, but uh, a lot of unknowns going into this season. The big one that really stands out is Spav not having an OC. He just decided uh, when, when Jacob Peeler left, um, no offensive coordinator. He's calling the plays anyway, so – might as well roll with that. And it seems like everybody's pretty fine with it. It's, it was odd to me at first, but I guess if he's kind of running the offense anyway, might as well just not pay another coordinator that extra money to have that tag. Yeah. Save some money, use it elsewhere. Um, you know, everybody wants to talk about quarterback, obviously, you know, from the outside, it feels like a guy like Lane Hatcher, one is an approach by Texas state, unless they assume he's going to be a starter and also wouldn't come to Texas state unless he thought he had a pretty good chance to be the starter. You know, if you had to put your own money on it, you know, week one, is it pretty safe to say you think, you know, unless something weird happens, Lane Hatcher is probably that guy? You know, it's interesting you put it that way because that was exactly how I thought going into spring ball. And this, is, this goes back to I have more questions now than I did at the beginning, is I thought the same thing. Lane Hatcher is going to come from Arkansas State, started a bunch of games for them, saw, had a bunch of success. Not a bunch, had some success, I should say. Um, but he, you, you would think he's going to come down here. He agrees to stay in conference and everything. He probably has been told he's going to be the starter. But then spring ball rolls around, and you see Ty Evans, another guy that Spavadol brought in last spring, and he's always been developing him. It's another guy he cares about. So it's not just like another quarterback that he inherited that he may not put as much interest into. Um, but And you see Ty Evans was getting a lot of the first-team first, first team reps. And something else I learned in spring camp is that Lane Hatcher is actually a preferred walk-on at Texas State. And he actually had the same situation at Arkansas State and the same one at Alabama before that. Now, apparently it's not due to his ability or his talent. Obviously, he's shown he could play and he's going to warrant a scholarship, but it seems his family is pretty well off. So they're okay with handling his school, telling the coaches, hey, use that money on another scholarship somewhere else. You know, it seems really noble and everything to do that, but it also gives him the freedom to transfer out whatever he wants. He's not he's not beholden to the same restrictions if you're under scholarship, if I'm understanding it correctly. But um, so knowing that, knowing that he is kind of, he is a preferred walk-on and it's not necessarily a scholarship guy, he, maybe, maybe that wasn't guaranteed. Maybe he saw a chance to come in and compete uh, a place, you know, he got to know Texas State from playing them in the Sun Belt no San Marcos specifically, you know, he mentioned that he did like the area. So it, yeah. So it, it'll, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. It could be either one in spring camp. It was both them going back and forth. And for my evaluation, Ty Evans was looking a little bit better. He's got a stronger arm. Uh, I think Hatcher is a little bit like Brady McBride and you and I, we've talked before when you came to San Marcos about the Brady McBride experience. And it, it seems like it's a little bit of the same situation there, maybe a little more measured in the running around from Hatcher, not really like a, a chicken with his head cut off type situation, um, but still kind of that, that same deal that they've seen before. And he's kind of a shorter quarterback too. So uh, yeah, I, I don't, it's uh it's not a foregone conclusion and they're still recruiting 
quarterbacks. They're going after uh, pretty hard. This guy named Jake Wolf at Butler Community College. Uh, they just had him in for a visit, did the whole photog treatment. You know, he's wearing the jersey by the green screen and all that. So they're still they're still looking for quarterbacks. But it'll be interesting. Nobody on roster has thrown a pass for the Bobcats in a game. Ty Evans got five plays, but he just did some handoffs. So there, it's the first time in a while that that's the case for the Bobcats. What's your biggest concern leading spring, the, the quarterback play or offensive line? Because it feels like, you know, whether it's Ty Evans or Lane Hatcher, that's a guy who's maybe closer to what Spav wants than what he's had previously. Offensive line-wise, I mean, is there a, a quick fix to that, or is that just kind of a wait-and-see approach in, in August, September? You know, offensive line is a, is a really interesting one because they have the bodies. Like, you look at the roster, they have like 16 guys, but not a lot of them have gotten in there and played for them. And they're banking on some guys like Richard West, who's a one-year grad transfer from uh, Texas A&M community, uh, Texas A&M Commerce. I always want to say Corpus Christi there. They don't have football. Um, but he's coming in and they're like, that's our starting right tackle. And he's a guy, he, he, we haven't seen him just in spring. He's a big guy that looks the part for sure. And I'm sure he'll do a fine job. But they're relying on a lot of unknowns on that offensive line. Obviously, they have Kyle Herbel. He's kind of a stalwart there at guard. He had a great year last year. Um, but then you have Dalton Cooper, their left tackle. He's gotten some all sunbelt recognition. He was out all spring camp with a torn rotator cuff. Russell Baker, a guy who they've kind of pegged as their center, although he can play any position on the line. He was held out of the spring game, and that might have just been for, you know, just to not have him injured in the spring game. He's an important player. But there's, there's a lot of off, more offensive linemen than other positions standing off on the sideline a lot in spring. Um, and, you know, you lose guys like Liam Dobson and, and it's, it's going to create a, a, a lot of issues on that old line. But, you know, Evan Lavelle is another guy they brought in from Rhode Island. They plugged him in in the spring as a starter. So they're just trying to rely on the transporter like they do on, at every other position and, uh, and hoping that these new guys that they've brought in will, will fix it. But they're kind of rolling with what they got. Um, and, you know, Jim Turner was the old line coach last year. More controversy. He had that at A&M. He had that at the Miami Dolphins before that. So he was let go, and they moved Boone Felt from tight ends to offensive line, move up a GA to the tight ends coach. Um, so it's a, a new coach there, coaching at a position he hadn't done before. He has offensive line background. Uh, Brian Hamilton is the new old line coach. He was like a head coach in California high school as well. Um, but it's a, it's a new position for him. So uh, a lot of new bodies and a new coach. So we'll, we'll see how that works out to go along with the new quarterback. So – We'll see. But I mean, besides that, your question was, what was my biggest concern? Uh, obviously, quarterback is number one, going to stand up there. But I mentioned a little bit earlier, the DB, specifically safeties. Zion Childress leaving, uh, that, that's really big. He, he left for Kentucky. Kid earned it. I mean, he played played terrific here. Uh, was a quarterback at New Caney in high school. Um, but but that's a that is a big hole to fill because he was he was the man for those DBs last year. Um, and now they have six total safeties uh, and they kind of run three. They have that nickel back. He's kind of, that's kind of a corner safety hybrid, but I still kind of think of it as a safety, especially when they have DJ mask who's starting there and he's a safety. Um, so they they're I feel like they're a little short there. Maybe they're moving around some guys that I don't know about yet, but they haven't been recruiting too heavily for, for DBs um, of they've signed 28 guys, 25 of them are transfers. Of that 28, three of them are DBs, and those are all corners, so no safeties in this pretty big class with, with no safeties as of yet. So we'll see. Um, they, they have a guy, Tory Spears, transferred in from Ohio, Iowa State a couple years back. Six-foot-four safety. Uh, he's great when he's out there, but he gets injured a lot. Um, they have Kevin Anderson, who I've been kind of waiting on. He's out of Louisville, kind of close to where you're at right now. Um, he's a hard hitter, so he'll, he'll probably get more playing time, but safety and, and DB specifically at corner as well. You know, those, that's my biggest concern. What are, what are they going to do there? How are they going to fill certain voids? Especially if Jerron Morris can't go, he missed all of last year with a hip injury. Now he has like a foot ankle injury. Don't know exactly. He was on crutches and a boot at spring camp. So don't know what they're going to do with that. Cordell Rogers is back though. That's always nice. Another former quarterback, high school quarterback at Lufkin playing DBs in his like seventh year at Texas state. So they have him at corner. That's the one guy in the DBs and DJ mask at Nickelback that have really been there a while. So it's a lot of questions at that position. 
Yeah, you kind of mentioned all the transfers, and we all we know, you know, anybody who's paid attention to Texas State knows that Spaz kind of deal. He's kind of ahead of the curve there. Like for you personally, like how hard is it to cover this team? Kind of with the just kind of the overflow and influx of new guys and guys leave and stuff. I got to imagine it's a little bit different than the old school way of covering a team where you know a kid comes in at 18, he redshirts, you kind of get to know him a little bit. Like uh, how much, how hard is that job to kind of keep up with who's on the roster and who's not from year to year? You know, it's it's kind of a fun challenge. If I'm being honest, you know, it's like all right, here it's kind of news all year, even throughout the off season. It's like who's leaving, sure. who's coming. I mean, I've been talking about it all throughout the month of May. I'll probably keep talking about it all through June. It's a lot more in the off season to keep up with. Um, I don't, I, it, for me personally, it's, you know, I just got to keep up with it. So I don't mind it that much, but I think the transfer culture of guys coming in and out, in and out, it can't be good, that good for a program to continuously have this turnaround. Um, you know, granted, I, I understand the strategy of wanting to get this influx of talent of guys that have played a lot before already, and they have that experience. You can just kind of throw them out there and they're ready to go. They just need to learn the scheme. They don't need to learn like the little details of technique and all that. But I, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a strategy that they, I think if they have success this year, Spavadol continues being the coach at Texas state needs to start reeling it back a little bit and maybe start curating those relationships with Texas high school coaches. Cause that's a big thing that they have um, left sitting on the table, you know, developing those relationships by, by focusing on the transfer portal. Um, they, they've got a bunch of talent though. And when you look at the roster and you see a lot of guys that played at other schools all down, you know, that little notch on the side of a roster where they put previous school and you look and they've built a roster full of guys that, have had experience and granted and they are bringing guys in who have four years and and, and stuff like that um but who knows if they end up leaving you know i mean it's it just creates a a, a vicious cycle i feel but um as of right now you look at you look at the roster and they're very deep at specific positions you know i know i was complaining about o-line and safeties but they're really deep on the d-line they're incredibly deep at running back and wide receiver so, I mean, it, it has benefited them, but how long does the depth last is, is the big question. Is Zion Childress kind of a, an example for SPAV on why he's doing this, right? Like from talking to coaches, specifically ones at like G5 levels, you know, they go find They find a hidden gym, right? A guy who played quarterback at New Caney, they, they turn him to safety and he's the superstar or emerging superstar. Now he's at Kentucky. Like do places like Texas state kind of have to go transfer portal because if they recruit these kind of under the radar guys, they blow up as a freshman, you know, they're not going to be there as a sophomore, junior, senior. Absolutely. And that's a terrific point. Cause I mean, it, it's very valid that, that you do all this time, you develop, you believe in Zion Childers as a quarterback in high school, you bring him in, you, you teach him how to be a safety. He has a successful season and boom, he's gone. You know, you do all the work without getting to eat the, the, the fruit, if you will. And it's, it's, it's a, it's very valid because that G fives, it's hard. It's hard to, to strike it rich and find these diamonds in the rough that are out there. And so that, that is, that is the other side of the coin that you it's, it's, it's give and take in that way that the culture suffers a little bit, but the talent is there. And if you, and if you develop a winning, a winning way, then it's a winning culture. And it might be guys are here for two years and then they go. But it'll be interesting to see how the transfer portal develops, you know, because we've seen it like with college basketball, the one and one and, and how like certain teams were, were really having success off of that. And then it's it's fizzled off somewhat, you know, with, with other options for guys. I wonder if that will emerge for guys in college football as well. But it's it's a very it, it's an interesting uh, situation. And he's got I'll give I'll give them this. They've gone all in on this transfer portal. They talked about it two years ago. And they, they have, they've hammered it in. They've, they've decided like, Hey, we're going to go get transfers. Oh, that's how we're going to build this roster. We're going to build it through the portal, bring in a few high school guys. Like they're bringing in David Hensley's offensive lineman. Bernock I has a real good corner. Um, and then uh, Michael James is a kicker, but that's it. Those are their high school guys. And that's kind of the same situation last year. Um, but it's, it, I'll, I'll give them credit for, for, for really focusing in on that identity and, and saying, this is our strategy and this is what we're going to do. And they've, they've done that. 
Yeah, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. This feels like, you know, kind of a make or break year for Jake Spavadol in terms of if he's going to be the, the head coach in 2023. For you, you know, this is just your opinion, obviously, is in reporting or anything, but like, what is that win-loss record need to be for Texas State fans or admin, you know, all those kind of stuff to feel good about continuing this, you know, kind of experiment with Spaz? Winning, a winning record, you know? I mean, seven and five, I really I think we'll do it. Uh, people are, are very hungry just for that. I, you know, six and six, it would be very much on the fence if it was, okay, does he stay, does he go? But I think if he if he got over the hump and got this program to a winning record for the first time since 2014, going on a decade now, it's it, that'll do wonders for him. And he's really well liked, you know. I mean, uh, from a media perspective, he's very approachable. I like him. Uh, the administration likes him. Fans like him. Players like him. Even when guys, it, I talked about the transfer culture where they're going in and out. Even when they're doing that and they leave and it's like, well, what was the problem? Do you, you know, did you not like the coaches? And they're like, no, it was great. It was just, I had a talk with them and they told me their plans and it didn't match with mine. So we both separated ways. I mean, even the when Jacob Peeler left for Missouri, he kind of said the same thing is that he wasn't calling the plays. As a, he didn't say this, but he wasn't calling the plays as an offensive coordinator. So it, it kind of saw the, the writing on the wall. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm not really the, the OC and Spav kind of is. So he leaves for Missouri. So like he's he's a good he's a good guy. People like him. They want him to have a chance. He's young. So a lot of the grow we've seen a lot of the growing pains. I think a big thing that he needs to do uh, is when he has his strategy in the game, needs to stick with it. They will have this really high powered offense in the first few series, and then it'll get more conservative throughout the game. And he, you know he's he was known as an air raid guy. So he, he just needs to stick with that. And I think he kind of knows that as well with, with how everyone talks about the offensive changes this past spring. Everything you hear, it's a wide receiver-friendly offense. And they were already stacked wide receiver, and then they go get four more transfers. So, I mean, they have a, a lot, a lot of wide receivers and a lot that have played. Where, I mean, I don't know if you know the name Marcel Barbie, but he had 10 touchdowns two years ago, and he may be coming off the bench. So, I mean, right. it's it's uh, – uh, they needs to, to focus in on that. And I think that will get him to that winning record, but uh, you know, that's, that's what he's going to need if, if he wants to, to stick around for sure. When I went by there this spring, you know, players, coaches, I, I guess they always say this, that this is kind of the most talented roster that they've had in their tenure. Kind of, do you believe that, that like just on paper that this team has the best chance to go seven and five and have that winning record than maybe the last few years did? You know, it, a, a lot of it, and I hate to do this, but a lot of it falls on the quarterback play. And there's a lot of great talent, but I, I don't know what that situation is like. And that talent can go wasted if that situation isn't very good. I will say, like I said, you know, when you look at the roster and you see all those previous schools, and it's a lot of the FBS schools, some P5 schools in there, they've infused it with a lot of talent. So there are guys there. There's certain areas like safety where they're missing some depth, but they've got a, a, a what looks on paper to be a really good roster. It's hard to tell in spring when they're going up against each other. It'll be nice to see them go up against some other opponents, see how, how real this talent is. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would say since Favidal's been here, when you look at that roster, yeah, totally. From top to bottom, the most talented. But at the quarterback situation, if if that's a bad a bad beat this year, then it's it's – all that is going to be wasted. You know, Texas State has kind of a unique situation in terms of funding and, and uh, you know, kind of the full scholarship, you know, stuff that's happened over the last couple of years. Like, how much can we grade Spavadol on like an equal curve as like, say, a Jeff Trailer at UTSA or a Seth Luttrell at North Texas? Is it unfair to him to kind of like assume that he can go win that amount of games? Or, you know, is you know, do you know what I mean? Like, how much yeah. of it is on kind of the admin and the school being all in, all in and how much is it on like the coaching staff being all in? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is, it is fair to grade him on a curve because of that, because of the administrative shortcomings, because those are, those are pretty well documented here and they've had regime change, new AD, new president coming in. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of talk about how things will be different and, and we shall see, but I, I think he is being graded on that curve and that's how he got a fourth year. Cause a lot of other schools wouldn't accept three years of a losing record. So I, I think he, he, him getting that fourth year is, 
kind of everyone here acknowledging that, okay, you know, it, it's, it, it hasn't been great. It needs to be better. Um, you know, they, they did a lot to get to FBS, but then they didn't do much to maintain a true FBS program. And now it, it seems the, the wheels are in motion for them to start curating it and doing better. They're, they have a lot of ground to make up to like a UTSA, like you mentioned. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot of work. But, um, and I think part of that is being patient with a young coach like Spavadol, and that's what, and that's what they're doing. Um, but, I, you know, and people can be harsh about the losing record, but the, the bottom line is, is that he took a job and he, and he hasn't been winning the games that was expected. So the criticism is going to come doesn't mean he should be fired. And I don't think anybody after last year was really, I mean, you know, of course, some people think he should be fired, but most people that were actually paying attention to the program were like, okay, maybe, maybe run it back. Cause it sounds pathetic, but they got to four wins and that was like, well, that's improvement. You know, I mean, the Bobcats are, they're going up instead of backwards, like they have been or, or staying stagnant in that two, three win little area. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, he does, he does deserve to be graded on, on on a curve because of what's happened here. I mean, especially whenever Withers was here, I mean, it was it was really bad. They were running out of Powerade, you know, during the season. They had, couldn't hydrate their players, you know. Um, I know I know, coaches were having to call boosters just to go on recruiting trips, you know. Apparently that's been a lot different. Now I, I know like Demarcus Gregory is one guy specifically who they brought in. He was, he was a receiver at the University of South Florida. He was in the portal. And he said that Spavadol and those guys had him a ticket the next day. And that was an issue. That was an issue at Texas State of, hey, here's a really good recruit that's available, but there's no money to bring him here to come check it out. And so that that is a lot of, that is a small piece of a lot of things that need to change at Texas State. Uh, and, you know, see if, see if it happens. You have been here and it's going to happen. But, you know, all you can do is really sit and wait and, and, and see if it can happen. You know, I put you in charge and I give you a blank checkbook and I say you can do two or three things to improve Texas State football, either behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, kind of whatever you want to do with that. What are two or three of those things that like have to change before this program can be on the same level as like an Appalachian State or Coastal Carolina and really compete for Sun Belt champions? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a big recruiting guy. So I'm, I'm immediately going to throw it at recruiting and say, throw out all the bells and whistles and do what you got to do, figure out some sort of situation with NIL and start bringing guys in and showing them that there are opportunities for them to profit. Um, now, if it was like an actual physical thing, uh, I would say, it may, you know, this is, I don't think this was really indicative of them being a winner or a loser, but I think it matters in the grand scheme of looking like a quality program is having an indoor practice facility. They don't have it. And San Marcos High School in the same town has one. You know, it's a, it's it's kind of shameful. I, I you know some people have said, "Where are you going to put it?" And, and I'll I'll hear that like location. Where's it going to fit in, in in the area? You know, San Marcos. It's a bigger town, but everything's kind of compact, so it's hard to really where would you put it. But there is a practice field. Just turn, just make that indoor. Now you don't have an outdoor practice field, you, or you can use the stadium. You have the stadium right there with turf. You know, I mean, that's what Spab does anyway. He doesn't even use the practice field. Withers did, but they'd have to go all the way across the parking lot and still be in the sun. So I think that with, with Texas heat and everything, you could, you could do a lot more with that. Um, they've started to work on the seating at the stadium, which I think will help get fans in because it's bleachers all around, which if anybody who sat in bleachers for three hours and your butt falls asleep. So it would be nice to get some real chairs. That's one thing I like about the Alamo Dome. I'll give you that. They got, they got the seating down. <laughs> I like the press area. Yeah. You kind of have your own little yeah. area. It's pretty nice. Uh, you know, press box for the Bobcats, that's last on the list, but they can improve that as well. That, that needs some work. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think if, if I was asked, I think indoor would be one, and then just a full-size weight room as well. Yeah. You know, like talking to Spav, you know, he says he has to do three or four different, like, sections to get his whole team to do, like, a weight room. You know, he has to, like, bring in three or four different groups. So, you know, that can't help as well. Uh, you know, before I let you go, uh, if I set the win total at, at six wins, right, you're going to you, you taking the over or the under on that one? Gosh, you know, uh, I'll be honest, because of the unknowns and because I think they have a tough schedule, I'm going to take the under for right now. Who knows how I'll feel in, in the fall 
maybe you know once the pads are are smacking together and the whistles are blowing i might feel a little more optimistic but i i, I just from what i've seen uh in in the years past it's just hard to be that confident about what's going to happen with this team you know I, I i think they have the talent to do it i think they have a good coaching staff that can do it um it, it'll just it's up to them to actually execute it but for right now yeah i'm, I'm gonna say under and then best pregame meal in Texas State, right? Somebody's coming to Texas State to watch a football game that never been there before. Like, where is the place that you go? Gosh, you know, I should have I should have called my agent, get someone to pay me for this one, or a restaurant to sponsor. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, I don't have an agent. Uh, Herbert's Tacos. <laughs> That's a good one. Herbert's Tacos. Um, I love that spot. Uh, you know, if you're going, if you like barbecue, though. There's Hayes County Barbecue. They're a top 50 barbecue joint in the state of Texas from Texas Monthly's little list uh, right off of 35. And they are incredible, man. They have a, uh, um, obviously all the meats are delicious, but they have a really good like macaroni. No, what is it? Twice baked potato casserole. And it's amazing. Uh, highly, highly recommend that. So Tex-Mex, Herbert's Barbecue, check out Hayes County. I always end up at Pluckers because I'm simple and I know I know I know what's going to be there. There's going to be a seat available. I just don't like lines, and so Pluckers ends up being my spot. I think. And sports on TV, you can't beat that. You go in, you know you're going to watch the game or something. The wings, no man. Pluckers, Pluckers is a good spot. You know they're opening up one. I I live kind of off Aquarina near the stadium, and they're opening a place right by the stadium called Anchor Bar, and I guess they originate from Buffalo, and they're the original Buffalo wing place. Ooh. And they're opening. Yeah, it's like right by the stadium. And I'm sitting here rubbing my hands together, waiting for that to open. I'm definitely going to check that out. But I wonder if they'll uh, they'll give Pluckers a run for their money. For sure, yeah. No, that's that's competition's good, right? Competition's always – more options are, are good. So uh, before you get out of here, I guess what do you got going on for the rest of the summer? What are your plans? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I have a podcast, Win Now or Get Bent, just talking Texas State stuff, a lot of what we were doing here. Uh, just doing some statesman work, doing my, my weekly notebook for the Austin American Statesman. Uh, and my wife is pregnant, so I'm very busy with that, moving into a house and all that, all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pretty busy with some of that. But lots of, uh, lo lots of uh, Texas State preparation in, in between the baby preparation. Where do y'all stand on gender reveal? Are y'all gonna y'all gonna figure that out beforehand? Y'all wait until the day? Kind of what's the what's the theory there? I was waiting until I got on your podcast. No, we've already we've already. <laughs> I think I tweeted it actually. It's it's a girl, Jade Jade Marie Chardello. That's gonna October twenty fourth. So right right after homecoming uh, for the Bobcats. We'll see how that plays out. I'm sure it's gonna be a mess. Yeah, no, you're a better man than me. Good luck, good luck with that, sir. And uh, yeah, we'll check in before the season. I'm sure I'll see you during the season as well. Okay, Mike, always good talking to you, man. Absolutely. Thanks again to Kef for jumping on with us. Like I said, one of the probably the most consistent uh, name in Texas State media. Jeez, uh, past ten years or so. Um, as you guys saw, he's very insightful. Very, you know, you give him a. A window and he'll go off about whatever you need to know and you'll he'll answer like 12 more questions that you have in this in one answer so uh always appreciate you buddy um so yeah let's get into some of the stuff that he talked about because there were some interesting things that he really hinted on and i think one of them was that i that i hinted at was the quarterback battle yeah we expected everybody here expected lane hatcher is the guy right, right. he's he's a three-year starter at arkansas state two or three-year starter i can't remember um, exploded as a freshman, kind of struggled, you know, dealt with inconsistency as a sophomore and junior. Comes in, boom, here you go. And I know he has an extra year of eligibility as well. Well, according to Kef, that wasn't exactly the case. Um, he is, I think he's very much has the inside track. But I think in that number two lane, Ty Evans seems to be a lot closer than people thought. And I can see how this happens, right? Because mm -hmm. Ty Evans, let's not forget, North Carolina State, higher-ranked recruit. I'd, uh, he's bigger. Yeah. You know, he's like 6'3", you know, Lane Hatcher. He fits that maybe more traditional Yeah, I mean, he looks like a, you, like, walk on the field, you're like, who's that quarterback, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I get big arm, bigger arm, mm -hmm. you know, that Lane Hatcher's probably more in that Brady McBride 
kind of build right um then then ty evans is so right so i i get it i get that here's my thing with ty evans 2019 red shirt 2020 didn't play at North Carolina State. Transfers to Texas State last year. You expect him to kind of be part of that rotation. Appears in two games. Doesn't doesn't really throw. I don't think he throws a single pass. Right. So that's three years now. Yeah. He hasn't thrown a pass in a competitive football game since he was in high school in 2018. Right. I don't know. Like I I've seen Lane Hatcher do it at the college level. Sure. Maybe not at North Carolina State or what. But like he's had real success in this conference. Mm-hmm. He has experience. And it's hard for me to believe that the conversation wasn't, this is your job to lose, right? And that's not saying he can't lose it. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're Spav at all and you go through the summer and you go through fall camp and Ty Evans is the guy and Lane Hatcher isn't, you go with Ty Evans, of course. But I do think in an ideal world, if you gave Spav some truth serum, Mm -hmm. I think he expects Lane Hatcher to, to be his, to, to be his guy, sure, right? Sure. When game situations like that's a guy he can count on, and this is a very important football season for Jake Spavadol, the head coach, mm-hmm. and he's going to have to pick one of these guys and kind of ride his job on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm going to make that bet with a dude who's thrown for seven thousand yards in college football. Sure, and it'll be interesting to see if that's not the case. Right. So I'm going to throw out something that. <laughs> I did not know until I looked this up just now. Did you know he was an elite eleven quarterback? Yeah, yeah. That is. I that was is, on the recruiter. I, I mean, that's he, right. He, yeah, you were. Yeah, that was, that he's got an talk. arm, man. He's he can play football. That is nuts. Like some of the names on here, and again, you can think about whatever you think about some of these names, but these are power five quarterbacks, right? Max Duggan, Grant Gannell, obviously now in North Texas, but he was at Arizona at the time. Sam Howell, Roshan Johnson. Like these are these are dudes that he's on this name with. And he was Grant like the Mertz. USA Today Colorado Player of the Year, right? You know, Bo Nick, Spencer right. Rattler, like. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa, like uh, uh, Jacob Zeno, you know, like so. The, those are guys that he was in that final group of oh, the Nike Elite Eleven with. So yes, the talent is clearly there, but I agree. Like there's something about th- more or less three years cold. Yeah, you know. So, and also, I mean, I guess to 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 combat that a little bit to kind of contradict myself, maybe that's why he didn't play last year, right? Maybe there, maybe it took a little bit more time for him to dust off that rust, and they were saying. You're not ready, right? You know, like maybe they are just taking it really slow. They really think they have something special here. Well, mentally, mentally, that could be tough, too. Also, like, also you yeah, know, you go like, three years without taking a, sna- a real snap, and you're like, oh, my God, there's an edge rusher coming out. Right. You know? like, that dude's 300 pounds. <laughs> right, He's right. trying to kill me. Like, exactly. yeah, I mean, that's, Last time I played, that guy was like 5'8 and right. like 160 He's Smaller pounds. than me. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I, could, I, could 100%, I can 100% uh, understand that. But I think that is something that we'll have to watch out for. I think this will be a – I think this will be one of those things, and I think Texas might – we might see it at Texas where it's like, oh, who's going to be the starter week one? Everybody kind of right. realizes. And then, like, right. the Monday of Lane Hatcher's name the starter. Right. You know, it's going to be one of those. It's not going to be one of those that you go into fall camp and they're going to announce it right away day one. Um, that'll be a game week kind of decision in my opinion. So a little bit more uh, things I want to talk about. One of the things that kind of concerned me were, one – Concern's the wrong word because I think offensive line, the depth is there, Kef mentioned, and it's just about getting sna- – not even snaps, but snaps for Texas State. Like these are guys that have played college ball um, yeah. in some capacity. But the one I want to hint on are the numbers when it comes to secondary. <laughs> um, you lose Zion Childress, who's obviously a huge, massive loss, and that kind of leaves you bare at safety. Like you're looking at a lot of guys who are like, mm, like you – I don't know what you are yet. Like, let me see if I can find a couple right now. And right. what's interesting to me is that, you know, you go and you look at their transfer list and you'd expect there to be the numbers you're getting at wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. You'd expect to see DB, 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 and you yeah. don't. And so to me, that's two things. Mm-hmm. Either that's trusting the guys who are on campus and you're like, oh, we feel pretty good about these six. Like, right. we may not have a ton of numbers, but we like these guys right here. Uh, or you're just missing. Right. And I don't know which one's the better answer. I mean, I guess you want to be confident in the six you have on campus, but in modern football, you got to have way more than six safeties, I would imagine. Sure. Well, like, so you look at the ones that that are that have played, right? You look at Kevin Anderson, Tory Spears, DeJordan Mask, right? I'd say Mask and Ander- or Mask and Spears are the ones that have played most. Um, I believe uh, Mask started a couple games last year. Tory Spears, you know, he played in nine games, yet he was con- – Saw playing time, but you know somebody like an Anderson is that going to be somebody to step up? And then when you get outside of those three, looking at Peyton Tuggle, Jared Hooper, Jared Hopper, 
like uh, Ronnie Hamrick. Like these are guys that like maybe touched the field once last year. And so, yeah, you get outside of those three and you're really looking dire. And I wonder how much that Zion Childress transfer caught them off guard by that. Because, you know, that is something where you're like, oh, man, we need a safety. But it's like, oh, if you got Zion who's going to play like 90% of the defensive snaps and you only need Mask, Spears, and Anderson to, you know, come in for a couple game, a couple snaps, like, you know, I could see where they were like, oh, crap, like, there goes that, you know. Um, and then you look at corner. I think corner has a lot of depth as well. I think they have a decent mix of um, – Actually, no, I'm looking at, man, I thought this was a lot better than it actually is. So you got Jaron Morris, Cordell Rogers, and Chris Mills. I think those are probably the guys right away that jump off to me as like, okay, those are guys that they can probably depend on. But even then, like, outside of them, I don't know. You're looking at A.J. Edwards from Juco, you know? Pierre Camini, who just came in the transfer market. Right. And maybe they see one or two of those guys as potential safeties as well yeah that's true there can be some moving around uh we've seen i mean converted linebackers too somebody might be an undersized linebacker they throw back but i mean it just goes back to the the kind of shuffling right it's you're you're kind of moving things around and yeah i don't know that's that's kind of my biggest concern now after that interview with kef where i was like man they really offensive line experience because i think the numbers are there which is kind of a weird thing to, to realize that they actually have depth in the offensive line, but secondary more particular. I'm really worried about the secondary now. I'd be shocked if two or three names don't emerge because they're under the scholarships. Like sure. They, yes, they yes, have yes, a couple yes. scholarships to use. I mean, just on paper, that's the clear and obvious place to go use them, mm-hmm. to go find a couple DBs in the transfer portal that are hanging out, Juco, you know, something. Um, to just immediately just add competition because mm-hmm. it's not even necessarily like go find a starter right it's and that would be nice right sure. to go find Everybody a guy wants, yeah right but like it's more about going and finding bodies for competition so like when you're competing like it's not just three guys who know they're the starter and there's this huge drop off afterwards and it's there's the just nobody you, pushing if you mess up so-and-so is going to come and take your snaps right, right or if you sprain your ankle sure. or if you're just tired yeah right like so you who, need to have, don't drop off you mean you saw it with that incarnate word game like mm-hmm. they just spread them out and just passed and passed and passed and towards the end there was like well uncle you right, know like right, we'll right. just let them catch it and hopefully we'll tackle them yeah um there's just no depth right there that, like again we talk about like game changers who's the best defensive back at texas state mm-hmm. like who's the dude that you can go look we're gonna play 10 on 10 this guy's gonna go cover that guy like mm-hmm. cat coverage right? right like i got that cat mm-hmm. there's nobody in my opinion i was about to say texas you, state's you, I, roster you thought, you in the past you would have thought it was jaron morris right but he can't stay healthy exactly can't stay healthy yeah. and even then like i think i don't think the staff likes him as much as maybe we thought that you know, we maybe he the staff didn't like him the same as Withers staff did or what, but like he hasn't again, injury has played a part, but also he's playing like special teams at times last year. So you're like, is it the size thing? Because again, he's a very undersized corner, but you would imagine on paper you look at the guy that was like, Oh, he's been starting since he was a freshman, he's you know, impact player, led the team in tackles, like I think a couple of years ago, or at least it was like top three or something. So that's the guy, but like you said, I don't know right now. Um so a couple more things before we get into expectations. So we brought up Zion Childress. And I'm glad you asked Kef about this because it is a topic that we've talked about where it's like this this transfer strategy kind of more or less getting proved right by that. What I think there. so. Yeah, I, I think so, too. So and Kef also hit, hit on the, the 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 previous administration kind of having a lack of resources when it came to recruiting. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit just in terms of general recruiting. Right. This transfer strategy. <laughs> versus also what they're trying to do and kind of the new resources that they maybe have access to now. What do you think, do you think that that's the reason why maybe, because after that letter came out from from Don Coriel, the athletic director after the Louisiana loss, it would have been easy to say like, Spav's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like you see that letter, you're like, ooh, Spav is gone. But it was particularly worded that mentioned recruiting, it mentioned budget, it mentioned things like that. Is that the reason he's getting a fourth year, do you think? I mean, I think it helps, right? Like, I mean, you have to grade him on a curve. Yeah. You can't compare him to what App State's doing, what Coastal's doing, what Louisiana's doing when they are playing with a completely different deck of cards. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just can't do it, right? In the Sun Belt, Texas State is spending a lot less money than the team's winning. And so until you can match those resources, you're, you're, you have a hard time matching the success. I'm not going to be able to make as nice of a dinner as you mm-hmm. if I have a $50 budget at the grocery store and you have a $200 budget <laughs> right. at the grocery store. It's no different. Like, yeah, you can make a meal, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be steak. 
right? Like it just can't be. And so for me, until there's a weight room where you can work out your whole team, you know, together. Sure. Until you can go to whatever recruit you need to go to, you shouldn't have to be calling donors to be like, hey, man, I need to get to Houston for blah, blah, blah. Who's covering this gas? Like, that's insane. This is FBS football. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and if you want to be a big boy program, you wanted this, right? And Mm -hmm. Like, Texas State wanted this. They signed up for this. You have to keep going. Mm -hmm. You can't just go, well, we made it. Now we're just going to be four and eight every year. Like there's no point in that. You might as well just stay FCS and be incarnate word and try to compete in the playoffs. So if you want to be considered this FBS program, you got to spend the money. And that, I know that's hard. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, where do we find the money? Mm -hmm. Uh, But until you do, it's hard for me to take many criticisms seriously because it's like, what else is he supposed to do? Like what, what do you expect this team to do? when given uh, these limitations. For me, the bigger the bigger conversation point is the recruiting strategy. Yeah. If that's the right way to do it, because on paper it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I, can't, I can't go and recruit with these other places because of budget and because of the transfer portal. I'm gonna go put all my chips in this transfer portal basket. And on paper, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Until you look at UTSA, Right, and you're like, man, mm-hmm. they're doing it the Texas high school football route, right. and those guys aren't transferring. Zachary Franklin's not in the portal. Right. Sincere McCormick didn't go into the portal. Uh, Clarence Hicks didn't go into the portal. Frank Harris, right? doesn't, go portal, Frank yeah. Harris doesn't go into the portal. So you can keep guys at the G5 level if they're having fun sure. and if they're winning. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's this kind of chicken and the egg thing. Do you take the chance that you can build that culture and build that kind of process to where you're like, yeah, we're going to lose a couple guys to the transfer portal, but really we're going to build this through Texas high school football? Mm-hmm. Or do you go for the, we're not going to be able to do it that way. I don't have enough time to do it that way. I don't have the resources to do it that way. We're going to do it through the transfer portal. I think SPAV has found the right recipe. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he's gotten the ingredients correct yet. Sure, sure. And it's just like, I think we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, say he goes 4-8 and eight this year and he gets fired. Right. People are going to go, well, you're Look in the state strategy. of Texas. Yeah. you got to recruit high school. Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just didn't get the right transfer guys. Or maybe it just didn't work out for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a fascinating thing to me because, you, you know, you go back to 2020 and Texas State's an extra point away from beating UTSA. Yep. And from that point they're on. One, they're probably one drive away from beating SMU. Right, like yes. In the year, the first and from the year. that point on. Yeah. Those programs have gone in different directions, and they're just they're such longtime rivals that mm-hmm. it's easy to be like you got to measure up against that kind sure, of stuff. Sure, hundred percent. And the strategies are just they couldn't be more polar opposite. And one's working, and one's not. Yeah. And I don't know if there's correlational there or if there's causality there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think each individual school needs to figure out what works best for them. And I get when you see a Zion Childress leave, I can understand why Spav looks at it and goes like, ha. Like, that's why I do this. Like, right. I just got a quarterback from New Caney and turned him into an all-conference safety, mm-hmm. and now he's at Kentucky. Right. I'm not going to do that every single year. <laughs> right. I totally understand that. It's just frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be frustrating for fans when it doesn't pay off the way you think it's going to pay off. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll pro- we probably have some coaches listening to this, too, that probably don't like to hear that, right, where they just like, no, come recruit my kid. And it's like nothing against your kid, right? Sure. Your, ki- your kid gets exposure. He deserves to get a bigger shot. if he. Did. But you also have to look at it from the other way where it's like they're pouring money mm-hmm. into these, into travel, into camps, into, you know, into a scholarship and invest. It's to beating out other schools. Beating out other schools. Like, how many like I'm wondering like looking back on Zion Childress's because like he was a he was a touted recruit like he wasn't like he wasn't like a nobody um coming out of New Caney and so like when Texas State got him I wonder how many schools were like we'll get him in a couple years right you know just like what back is like eh, let him have him mm-hmm. you know like we'll, we'll take the gas off a little bit um because that they can they can afford to do that now like <laughs> they can just afford to do that and so and then also I think the other frustrating part is you know he goes to um uh, yeah, he goes to Kentucky, and so it's like, I mean, I don't know. How do you stop? Him you can't hate him? on him, bro. Right, exactly. Like, it's like, how do you shake so- his hand and walk out the door? Right, exactly. If Kentucky so- offered Spav a job, right, he's like, yeah, I'm out. Bye. Right. <laughs> you know, so right. you can't blame him for that either. So yeah, it is. It is a tough situation, and it is. Yeah, I do. I think the the reason why I think that you're right on them having the right recipe is 
you saw what SMU did with under Sonny Dykes. Mm-hmm. He did the exact same thing. Holgerson and Houston's doing Holgerson and Houston. Thing. They're getting transfers, right? He, look at Houston. Go Anybody listening to this, go look at Dana Holgerson's past two or three recruiting classes. There's nothing from high school. There's like no, not nothing, but there's no, like you don't look at you look at Tom Herman's recruiting and then you look at his recruiting virtual opposites. Like the Tom Herman was like, yeah, we're going to get an Ed Oliver, right? right? We're going to make a star out of this kid, right? Dana Holgerson's like, eh, we'll kind of work, you know, we're, we're going to probably bench Derek King and we're going to, you know, do all these weird things, but we're going to build a good team. SMU's like, no, I'm getting Shane Bichelle. Like we're going to make this, we're going to make this work right away and then supplement them with the success. Right. And then that's when you intr- attract the high school guys to come in and, and stay there. So yeah, I, I think I agree that the recipe's right. The ingredients just might not be. Um, and I also say, I don't think it'll hurt. And they've started to do the, to do this. I've seen it on Twitter a lot. I don't think it'll hurt to just at least show your face around some campuses, right? Sure. Um, that's the thing I think that's been alienating for a lot of a lot of coaches and a lot of programs is not even kind of coming out to just to entertain. Hey, who do you got in 2024? Like we'll talk down the line, right? right? You know, maybe, we probably don't have a spot for him right now, but he's somebody I want to keep an eye on. By the way. Jake Spavadol, coach of so-and-so, good to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Something like that, right? I went to like five different THSCA things yeah. this offseason, and I hadn't seen a Texas State coach at one of them. And that's the problem, right? That's I think that is a problem because – and again, sure, there it comes, it comes to be maybe a resource thing. We can't afford to send somebody – if we're not going to recruit this way, we can't afford to send somebody to this program or whatever. But that's some you just have to bite the bullet on that. Like there is some guy where it's like, hey, look, assistant – lineman coach you're also director of high school relations go to this you know like it's just something you got to bite the bullet on if you're playing in the state so after all that what are your expectations this year what you asked kef you know is is this is spaff coaching for his job you've more or less said that i think so um i think you don't get a fourth year after not having a winning record unless you are unless that is an ultimatum year um we had the uh, public uh, reprimand slash vote of confidence from uh, the athletic director last season. You do have it. You have a new administration as a whole, by all accounts. Um, I believe uh, uh, President Damphouse is his name. He's he. I believe he is very pro athletics. So he would not. I don't think he would hesitate to give his athletic director a chance to prove uh, prove his worth by making a hire. So, what are your expectations? Do you think this turns around at all and they get to a bowl or at least? fight for a bowl i don't know if i don't know if i'm at the point where it's bowl or bust but i think you cannot have four wins i think it's five and maybe like losing something on the it's one of those games gets away from you or whatever but i think five is the absolute lowest you can have this year yeah i mean i asked kef like if i set it at six are you taking the over and under and i i guess i'm with him that i feel like five is more likely than seven right and so for that reason you know, I feel like this is kind of a rubber meets road deal for SPAV, right? Like when you have new bosses, mm-hmm. like you no longer have that relationship with the person that hired you. Sure. You know, like you're not tied together in that way. And I know, and, I know Don Coriel is like, you know, he was, he was an internal promotion. So like he has some relation to him, but like, you know, that wasn't Don Coriel's call. Right. So, right. Know. He wasn't sitting, he wasn't the main interviewer sure, that he sure, won sure. over and all that kind of stuff. And you want to kind of strike out on your own and do your new thing. And you, you almost have to, it's like guilty until proven innocent, right? right? You almost have to give him a reason to go like, well, we have, you know, they just went, they went four wins. Now they're winning six, seven, you know, like we have to keep Spav around. Mm-hmm. But if it's another four win season or even a step backwards, right? Like you can't continue on that way. Mm-hmm. And that's coming. You know, I love Jake Spav at all. Sure. He's a great guy, all that kind of stuff, but you got to win, right? We all have jobs and we're all, you know, making money and you, and you got to win. And until, until this quarterback situation is resolved, I have a hard time going, well, I expect Texas State to make a bowl game. Sure. Because I just don't know, right? Like, I mean, I, I think they got better at that position over the offseason. Mm-hmm. But then you talk to the guy who watches every single spring practice, right? And you're like, well, man, I don't know. If he doesn't feel confident, then I can't feel confident. Yep. And so, uh, for me, the expectations are at least four wins and to flirt with a bowl game, yep. right? To, yep. like, to be in – to win three or four games, to lose three or four games, and then for those other three or four games to be at a razor's edge. And if you can pull off two out of the four, mm-hmm. you go to a bowl game, and now it's like, okay, they're taking a step in the right direction. This is starting to work. I believe in the process. 
you just got to win eventually. I just don't know if I can expect them to win that many more games. Sure. I think looking at the schedule, you know, again, I don't want to give a record for record prediction because we do that in the magazine and I don't want to contradict ourselves, but uh, you do add Southern Miss, right? You, this is the new Sunbelt. You add James Madison. Theoretically, you know, I know James Madison's an FCS power, but like theoretically on paper, you should be like, that's a game we should be able to win. Yep. Right. Um, but again, that's also, I believe that's James Madison's Sunbelt opener at home. So, like, that's going to be a crazy environment. And, again, this isn't just a normal FCS program. This is a national title contender in the FCS. So, it isn't just a – it is not going to – it's not a walk in the park. Uh, Southern Miss, I know, has a lot of issues. So, like, that's a potential, you know, extra win that you probably did not have if you're playing, say, Georgia State on that in that game instead. Um, ULM, of course, is right there. as you, They beat them last year. Arkansas State, they beat them last year. I don't know if they're going to be much improved, obviously, with the new quarterback and all that. So, there Houston are Baptist. Houston Baptist. Exactly. You get Houston Baptist instead, who's not incarnate word. Um, so again, there are winnable games on this schedule. And the, let me just say the path is there for a bowl game. Yep. Right. The path that you look at those and you're like, if you look at like, okay, you should be favored and your, you know, home games should be not automatic wins, but you know, more or less if, if you get a, a 50, 50 game at home, you should try to pull that one out. Things like that. Non-conference aside from Baylor and Nevada, you know, I'd say about two and two is non-conference is pretty good. The, the roadmap is there to be like, there's your six wins, right? There's your potentially seven wins if things can go right ex- extra for you. So um, I'm with you. I think I think it's more likely five than seven, um, but the path is there. To me, that FIU game is huge. Yes. Because if you can start two and two by beating mm-hmm. FIU and beating Houston Baptist, mm-hmm. you've set yourself up, right? Sure. It's like, okay, we just got to go 500 in conference play, and you can do that in, in the Sun Belt the way it shakes out. You lose that FIU game, and now you're probably starting 0-3 to the year, and now it's like, what's the belief even if you beat Houston Baptist? And then yep. you say you go to James Madison, and you lose that game. Now all of a sudden you're 1-4, and four and the wheels fall off. Yep. And so – uh, for me, early on, you need kind of that like locker room proving win. Like, hey, we're better. Mm-hmm. Like, we have gotten better. And you have it at home in between Nevada and Baylor. For me, that's kind of that early on. I think every team has that early on make or break game where mm-hmm. you can you can finally you think you know for eight months you do all this research you watch, but like you're like okay this is the game that's going to tell me something and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not true right like Houston Tech last year kind of sure. proved that to be but like for the most part you're like you can identify one game where it's like that's going to be a tell me game a show me game for me for Texas State it's FIU mm-hmm. what happens in that game is going to dictate what happens in my opinion for the rest of the season yep so that'll do it for Texas State uh, went a little long on that one, but you know, there's a lot that's honestly, they're one of the more interesting programs in the state. And I just, I just don't say that as an alum. I'd say that as somebody who's legitimately trying to figure out what this program is, what they want to be. Yeah. And, uh, and they're, they're kind of one of the only programs right now with a coach in kind of an uncertain water. You know, a lot of these are new hires or, or just, they're just flat out successful so far, like a, a Jeff trailer or something. So I think he's on the hottest seat in the state. I think that's very easily. The, I think that's very easily. Spavadol, Latrell, Bloomgren. Right. Easily. I think so. So uh, we will be back next week or sorry, two weeks from now because Craven will be on vacation. So we'll run these back. Uh, we'll be back with Rice, I believe. We'll try to get Rice. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to get an interview for that as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are kind of getting to the rhythm of this and hopefully we'll start to get you more into the feeling of football season approaching. Uh, still got a ways off, so don't worry. Enjoy your summer and all that stuff. But we're here to give you some little bit of a taste so uh for mike craven i'm ishmael johnson we'll be back like i said in two weeks probably with mallory hartley back as well and we'll talk to you then